Hello, hello. Welcome, friends. My name is Chris. I'm here with the One Great Work Warriors. I'm with Jerry, Brandon, Rick, Jim, and Derek. And today we're bridging a new dangerous and scary topic, the topic of conspiracies. And the more we began to open this topic of conspiracies, we started to see that there's this issue of denial. So we're going to call this episode The Conspiracy of Denial. And a lot of times how our um, talks come about is we realize that we have conversations with people on the day-to-day -day that um, sometimes those conversations can get difficult. Sometimes they go nowhere. And um, we come back and we're thinking to ourselves, you know, like, what is the argument that this person I was talking to making? And does it make sense? And we, we start fleshing it out. And we realize that other people are out there having these same disagreements and arguments and um, resistances to um, opening their mind or looking at facts or considering the bigger truth or the bigger picture. And there's those out there who will make fun of anybody um, who says something that seems a little too far out. Um, they don't want to draw connections. They don't want to think that maybe there's um, some sort of centralized control of this world or a multi-generational plan to enslave humanity sounds like way too far out to some folks. And they just, I don't know if it's they're afraid to look deeper or they're just in straight up denial. And that's, that's a topic we're going to discuss. Or, you know, maybe I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist and I need to be set straight. And if that's the case, I want to know and I want to understand, but I'm willing to stretch my mind and discuss these topics and so are these wonderful guys who are with me. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic on to uh, my man, Brandon, and I'll let him do a little introduction, and um, we'll go from there. Howdy, howdy, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you to all of these wonderful individuals, you know, who are always willing to make the sacrifice and take the time out of the day, because I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of other things that, you know, hell, hell that we could be doing, you know, but we choose to, you know, try to spread this message. So um, when you when you look at this word, hell, hell denial, um, and no, we're not talking about the river in Egypt, as the great George Maxwell once said, rest in peace. But if we look at the etymology, it actually comes from the word hell, hell denied. And then you have the suffix, which is A-L which is the act of, so the act of hell denying. So when you look at the word hell deny, um, you know, to pretty much hell refuse or hell to refute. Uh, so hell so denial is the act of asserting contrary or hell contradiction, you know, to deny or accept something that is true, to deny or to not accept pretty much facts, you know, hell the uh, truth. So when we talk about hell denial, you recognize that something is present, but in your mindset, you are saying it is not there. So it is almost like an aspect of denying reality, denying the objective world. And when you look at denial from a psychological term, it is actually a psychological defense mechanism, which if, if anyone is not familiar with what a defense mechanism is, it's, um, you know, we have to always revert back to ancient man. And, uh, you know, when something would help occur, so, uh, something in our, in our external realm, you know, our conscious mind is very fragile. 
it is extremely fragile, you know, so it can't handle, it can't handle certain traumas. It can't handle certain, certain stimuli, certain overloaded stimuli. So that's when our, that's when our unconscious uh, will step in to protect the conscious mind. And the reason that is, is because hell again, the conscious mind is fragile. And if we are getting to uh, certain forms of overstimulation or uh, forms of stress, trauma, and anxiety, it is a means for our unconscious to deal with the situation because we may not be able to cope with it in the present. So it's pretty much like our unconscious is coming in as a means of protection. And that's really what a defense mechanism is. And there are many different forms of, you know, health defense mechanisms, uh, you know, but right now denial is the one hell that we decided to talk about. So uh, I'll pass it on to, to anyone who wants to take it. Yeah, sure. I'll chime in if we are going to go over some of the definitions and like. We got the de denial. Thank you, Brandon. And uh, like, so the conspiracy, denying conspiracy, what is that all about? Like, and a lot of people have this programmed, like, you know, uh, brainwashing of this term, just the word conspiracy. And they slather on theory all over it all the time for whatever fucking reason. And, you know, there's, it's such a mixed bag and we can take it from, you know, so many different angles of why people want to deny certain things or say conspiracy theory, but, uh, just the word in and of itself conspire to breathe together in on something, an idea and a project or whatever it could be for the good or bad. You know, it's just a fucking word. People need to get over this shit sometimes. <laughs> like, boy, man. Yeah. Like. Respirer in French means to breathe. Conspirer, you know, like, but they say a complot in, in French, which is kind of weird. Anyways, uh, so do people understand that their breath is part of their soul and that the you and I verse, when they're versing with the universe, that they're breathing in on their own life trajectory of whatever their thoughts are, taking it back to the first hermetic principle of mentalism, right? Your state of mind and what you're projecting out into your inner plane, the mental plane, and then, you know, whatever follows through with the emotions and actions that, you know, lead into that, whatever. But uh, people want to deny any kind of conspiracy. Like, what about their mothers and fathers that breathe in on the idea of, you know, whether it's it was conscious or unconscious, you know, the act of intercourse that produces the baby and that baby grows up and, you know, all that jazz. Rick, what's good, man? I know you want to chime in. So. Well, no, it's just, you make a great point. And I think about that with the word conspiracy. And what drives me crazy is that and they've done a, a masterful job, once again, of hijacking a word and then painting everybody with that, you know, that looks into anything that's not going well with the mainstream, you know, narrative. They, they paint people with this broad brush of your conspiracy theorist. And that's all that frustrates me because I, I, I hear it from people. All you're with was conspiracy theorists because I'm, I look into different things and it's really frustrating when, when you get that and they, and they do it. I know they do it by design and, and they do it masterfully and it shows, 
because now anytime I find anything I look into that is on the fringe or I'm looking at, it's going against the narrative of what I'm looking into, then that's what you're painted as a conspiracy theorist. It, evidence be damned, it doesn't matter how much evidence you can bring forward to support your claim, you're still getting labeled that conspiracy theorist. And it's just, it's, it's really, I think, does a lot of damage. Uh, people, I think, as soon as they hear that you get labeled that, then a lot of people tune out, I think. They just, I don't even want to hear, that's just more conspiracy nonsense. And I think that's, that's kind of the hill that we got to get over. Is that uh, you know it, maybe it is a conspiracy, maybe it's not. But it's I just think that the evidence you you have to look and find out uh, you know look into things and kind of be willing to go there and and look at both sides of things and not and it's just frustrating. Is my point is that anything that you look into that that is different, you're a conspiracy theorist and you're one of those people. And it's just it's it does damage. I think it does do damage to be honest. So if anyone wants to chime in on that would be very cool. Yeah, um, when I think of denial, the first thing that pops up for me is addiction. And, uh, you know, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And I never really was in denial. I always knew I had a problem. But so many people, like, t to this day that I know, who've been drinking, that, like, every day, they say they don't have a problem. They're in denial. You know, there's so many people, drug addicts, out there like I've, I've seen them so everybody knows people like this and so they can't even be honest with themselves you know and so when we talk about conspiracies like and you can you can really show people like these things are true like this operation northwoods that um the cia um was declassified you can point to stuff like that where they they cons they had con a conspiracy to create a situation where it made to make it look like Cuba was bombing America, but it, like so it's you can actually visibly see this stuff, but people don't want to look at it. Like they don't want to look at themselves. They don't want to be honest with themselves. They can't even go like they can't even if they can't be honest with themselves. They don't even want to like look at the truth outside of themselves, right? Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. And a lot of it is. Um, to been listening to John Taylor Gatto interviews lately, and he's the um, the author of the book Dumbing Us Down, and a big advocate of behind the homeschooling movement and all that. And he, uh, you know, talks about the history of the schooling of education, and like that is such a conspiracy, and it's so great to hear him break it down. And but we've all been brought up in that conspiracy. And that conspiracy, that that schooling conspiracy, like it's part of people living in denial, I think too, you know. Um, but yeah, let's see um, what Jerry has to say, because I could say more later. Well, I want to say that we're conspiring right now to talk about the subject of conspiracy of denial. So when I forgot what I was going to say, but anyways, when Chris uh, talked about, you know, they make fun of us or they make fun of conspiracy theorists, I would have most likely done the same. I would probably laugh at somebody for being a chubby when I was 
in the past, but that's not funny. But I'm gonna get into um, when we talk when I'm talking about denial, I'm not talking about refusing a request. Um, so Brandon broke it down. Uh, denial is refusing to acknowledge the truth, something like that. And when I'm talking about conspiracy, I'm not talking about conspiracy theory. Although I do have a link that I'll put in the description box. Uh, it's an interview with Richard Grove uh, with Pete Quinones talking about how the word conspiracy, the origins of that word and how it came after JFK's assassination to dissuade people from looking into it. So, yeah, and I'm not talking about self-denial, although I might talk about it later. But what I am talking about is conspiracy, which uh, Derek already said it's to breathe together, but also it's a noun of action from past par participle stem of conspirare, to agree, unite, plot. And I have a couple more definitions for conspiracy. The activity of planning with people to do something. That's my definition. Not the activity of planning to do something illegal or harm someone. No. And I have a definition for denial from the Cambridge.org. An unwillingness to accept that something unpleasant is true, or a statement that something is not true or does not exist. I'll pass it back to you, Chris. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, I like those definitions. Um, very helpful. And, you know, I think one thing I heard quite a few years ago on a great podcast by Freeman Fly was where he kind of broke down the difference between a conspiracy and a mystery. And I think people often confuse those words and uh, the meaning of those words. And and what happens is, you know, like for instance, uh, I think 9-11 is a good place to start. September 11th attacks, most of us are, you know, there's just so many um, aspects of that situation that don't make sense in the narrative that was given to the public that was um, spread across the news and that, you know, if you still look it up on somewhere like Wikipedia or whatever, they're still going to back up this official story, which was so full of holes and so ridiculous that, you know, um, there's obviously a conspiracy. Um, people conspired to um, make that happen and, and to trick people. But even if you didn't believe that there was any trickery going on and that it was just what was told, it would still be a conspiracy mm -hmm. because the whole idea was that these um, terrorists um, got together, breathed together this plan to blow up these planes and um, to blow up these buildings with these planes. And so that would be a conspiracy. Now, it's not a mystery that there was a conspiracy. Um, there's, no, there's nothing mysterious about it. We know it happened. And we're just not exactly sure what the actual facts are. And so that's where the theories start. And that's where things get tricky, right? Because um, even if we look at science, 
what science means is um, making an observation uh, or a theory, uh, postulate, and then you test that theory over and over and over and over. And if you can, you know, consistently get the same result every time, um, eventually you can prove a thing to be true. And then other people might test it in another part of the world, slightly different way, slightly different. That's that's what we call science. Is people like literally trying something over and over. They're, they're testing a theory. So without theories, um, we can't ever get to science. So theories are necessary and important part, part of the process of solving a mystery, right? And so many of these things that we discuss are actually mysteries. We don't know personally the people that um, are doing wrong in many cases. And many times that the story we've been presented to the public uh, either doesn't make sense, has holes in it, or there's contrary aspects to it that disagree with one another or contradict the story itself. And so what we're left with is a mystery, not a conspiracy. We know it's a conspiracy because there were two or three people more involved. Now, um, there's nothing wrong with a conspiracy theory. If you think about what those words actually mean, there's, there should be no negative connotation to putting those terms together because we would see that as science of um, investigating a mystery that would be a conspiracy theory that would be part of the process of making it a scientific study and um, so that is just kind of like basic thinking 101 that most people um, are not willing to do and I just want to before I pass it on uh, one thing I've noticed is in this path to truth, when we look at some of the more difficult aspects, um, like something like 9-11, uh, for a lot of people, that was a huge wake-up call. They just couldn't, you know, fathom that there was that extent of conspiracy. Um, once you look into it, it seems very obvious that there had to be many layers of um, people working on these plans well before the event happened, which indicates if you use your strategic brain and your um, ability to kind of like think uh, what would it take to do a thing, that this wouldn't be as easy as just some people in another country that had no connection to these buildings or no connection to the government to pull off all this grand trickery and get all these people to say lies and have people ready on the street when the reporter comes along to tell um, a fake story that everybody is later going to believe. Um, these things indicate that there's a deeper level. And so when it comes to denial, one thing I've noticed often is that um, people go through stages of grief when it comes to difficult topics, much like um, a death in the family. You know, and um, one of those stages of grief is the first stage, um, like they describe in the stages of grief, is denial. And the person says to themselves, this can't be happening. You know, you might find out that a loved one died in an accident or, you know, something terrible, even worse. Um, that's the first thing in an emotional situation that the mind or a person is going to do. They're going to deny it. It's just natural, right? And then we move on to anger and bargaining, depression, and finally um, acceptance. But um, it's like a normal common thing. And we, we should understand it in others as we understand it in ourselves. But the question here is, what do we do with this knowledge? We know that there's a lot of people out there in denial. We know that there's people that use those term conspiracy theory 
as um, a bit of a dagger. So when you bring up a certain topic that makes them uncomfortable and puts them in that state of denial or anger or bargaining uh, or depression, they don't want to be in that state. So they quickly um, ad hominem attack the person who's bringing up the subject that they don't want to think about or hear about. And that helps them not have to ever get to that stage of acceptance and consider the possibilities, which might um, mean that there's other aspects, other deeper layers that they have to think about. And that can be overwhelming and scary and it can shut a person down and some people aren't ready for it. And I, I understand that um, doesn't make it not frustrating though. So um, no, that's true. Um, Rick, why don't you go next? No, I just, I just really agree with what you're saying, and it, it's great how you kind of swapped out conspiracy for mystery. I think that that's pretty cool. And I was thinking about that, and it's, I, I, I agree, and it's kind of what Brandon said. It's like people have this. It's like a, a defense mechanism, uh, and it, it makes sense. It totally makes sense that when and people are it's like going through those stages, and it just seems people get locked in this denial. Uh, one and 9/11 was a great example. I I've talked to people that still believe the the official story. They they you bring you can bring all the different evidence or whatever you want to the forefront and and show them and they were still not they're not ready to to take that leap. And that's what I'm finding, Chris, is that a lot of people are they're in, we're all in different stages and some people you know they they can go so far, so they they'll believe you know okay like okay there's like like there's somebody that's in like a president or a prime minister in my case or something they're they're messing things up they still believe okay if we just swap them out get somebody better that's going to fix the problem they they're not realizing that all the government is is the problem so they're and it, all of it is corrupt i i truly believe that to even to the highest level so they have they they're not willing to go the whole distance they're they're kind of like stopping because it gets, I think it gets really, it upsets them and it triggers them and there's a lot of things going on. And I think it, it's like what Brandon said, it's a defense me mechanism. They don't ignore it. They're kind of like, you know, they're, they, I don't even want to look at it. So I'm just going to kind of turn my back to it. And I think there's a lot of that going on, despite what evidence is out there. So I, that's my thoughts. I think they make a great point. And so did Brandon at the beginning. Yeah. Um, since we are on the topic of, you know, the refusal of truth or you know not accepting the objective reality i had an interesting um thing oh it shouldn't be interesting but i had a certain situation that occurred yesterday because i was at a, a softball game and i was calling a game behind the plate and now i kind of have a, i don't give a fuck mentality but uh i overheard some some fans behind the plate and they mentioned hell labor day and i'm like oh man you know like hey, let me throw out some bait so I'm like, yeah, you know, people are going to celebrate a communist holiday. And it got so quiet because they didn't quite understand what I meant. Because Labor Day, if people don't know, it is a communist holiday. It is a holiday to represent May Day, which is actually celebrated on May 1st in other countries. But in the United States, it's celebrated in September. And the reason for that is because in the late 1800s, you had the International Workers of the World, you had all the secret societies, you had the Knights of Labor, and remember, they were fighting to get eight-hour work hours, you know, within the states and, you know, all of the conditions. And remember, around May Day, you always had a lot of riots, you always had a lot of partying, you were, because there's a lot of energy. And, you know, they gave us pretty much a day for the workers to relax and, you know, it'll you know, it'll keep them somewhat calm, you know, so now we 
you know, we go out there and we cook and we have parties and, you know, we're giving up all of this energy and we're ignorant and we don't exactly know, you know, what it is that we are celebrating because we are in denial because the information is out there, folks, if you don't quite grasp it. And it was interesting because this dude, he said, well, if I get a day off of work, then that makes me a communist. And he was like happy about it. And I'm like, dude, your mindset is the reason why we have the condition of slavery, because you are in denial. And not only are you in denial, but you are ignorant. So, and then also too, I remember these conspiracies are like multi-layered because if you go and research, um, you know, like when Labor Day was trying to be brought upon within the states, they would always throw out this one word, anarchy, you know, you know, of course, obfuscating the word because there was a lot of bombings and there was a lot of rioters, uh, you know, rioters and and there was a lot of get your hand out of my pocket, you know, situations, you know, because when you have a large group, it's so easy to manipulate that group. So they also started to obfuscate the word anarchy and started to associate it with socialism and communism and uh, use the mind control, which we like we honestly have to give a round of applause to the social engineers for, you know, you know, for, you know, stirring people's consciousness. But um, I just thought it was so. I don't want to say fascinating, but so disturbing that people still don't know, you know, like why they celebrate these so-called holy days and how many people would just give energy to it, you know, like just celebrating, you know, these things, like not knowing that you are celebrating a May Day communist, you know, holiday, which, you know, that's where all of the unions came from, which was communism. So yeah, I just wanted to share that. Yeah, and, well, you know, people just want to find any kind of excuse to drink and go out, barbecue, whatever the fuck, and stay in their comfort zone. And that's, like, I feel like, psychologically speaking, this is why a lot of people want to deny certain things. Or, And, yeah, we live in the age of instant information, and what they've, you know, learned is a little bit contradictory towards, you know, what we've discovered through, you know, looking behind the... The curtain, or, you know, all that, whatever the fuck, going down rabbit holes, whatever people want to call it, semantics, I mean, Jesus Christ, what the hell is going on with people just like, oh, it's, there's so many programmed terms, like, you know, I mentioned before, but, you know, aside from all that, like, people are, yeah, the comfort zone, so it's easy to just, like, deny and, you know, brush things off on the side, and it's like, where do they go from there? They got it all figured out. You know, everyone has their smartphones, their little slabby dab and, you know, all this shit. And people on CNN, motherfucking, you know, Saturday Night Live and all these motherfuckers talking heads. They're talking shit about us. About, you know, like people that, you know, talk about like, and yeah, the, like going back to 9-11. What's the term that they use that like, oh, you're one of those. 9-11 was an inside job, people, you know, like these program terms, right, that just, you know, have people hung up on just like, okay, so that's what it is. Like, these are people that believe in false information when they're operating off of the false information themselves. So, 
you know, it's like, how much in denial are they in, as opposed to how much, like, negative knowledge that they're just, like, so convinced, like, that's the truth at the same time. But, yeah, we can, you know, just say, like, there's the ignorance part of it. You know, like, they're denying looking into certain things that we might bring up in a conversation or whatever. But going back to, like, the controlled opposition, whatever, like, the talking heads, they're going to try to explain it all out for them in a jokey joke kind of way, you know. These are the fucking, you know, the negative side part of the trickster, you know, like, the modern-day gesture fuckers, whatever, you know. Right, yeah. And they're getting paid, you know, millions of dollars to, you know, do whatever, right? So... It's sad, you know, we're up against some steep competition as far as, like, putting out the real message through, like, really good media and all this stuff. Yeah. You make a great point, Derek, with ignorance, too, because I think ignorance and denial are definitely dancing partners. You know, they're just... Takes two to tango. They're tangoing together because that's... I, I just think of that. How many people are not even willing to look into a subject or a topic or anything. It doesn't, like I said, I brought information to people. They won't even look at it. They won't even, and it's some type of emotional reaction they're, they're going through. And they just, they won't even look at it. And so they want to stay ignorant of it. So it's just, they're definitely, you know, working together. It's ignorance and denial for sure. And to piggyback what Derek was talking yeah. about, uh, like the mainstream media will say, if you don't buy into climate change, then you're in denial. If you don't, mm-hmm. you know, you know, think that COVID was real, then you're in, you know, how denial. So they always spin, you know, how the narrative and obfuscate these words. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I always keep thinking, I always compare uh, addiction with government and that and but like I said earlier, I always think of denial when it comes to addiction. And the like the first step of AA is like we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol. Or we admit to admit. No one wants to admit reality. People don't want to admit that they are contributing to harming so many people around the world and causing harm to others. Um and that, I mean, that's just the biggest problem, right? People don't want to admit. It's the same thing as the denying, right? But it takes a lot, a long time like it, to correct yourself. Like if you're an alcoholic, it takes a long time to get sober, to get clean. And if people really want to work on admitting to themselves about, you know, the harm that they're contributing to, it takes a long time as well. Like, just like any of us, when we first came to the, the conclusion of what what's really happening, we didn't just click and right away, you didn't go run out and start, like, telling the, the world, you know, it, I'm sure, like, it took uh, a year or a couple of years, like, for me, like, it took me over a year to, like, be comfortable talking about this stuff, you know, to process it. And I'm, I still am. But just that, you know, that it definitely takes time. But that's that's how difficult it is for people to even, um, they don't they don't want to admit it. 
they don't even realize that they have a problem that there is a problem they don't think that they have a, there's a problem so i just think there's a big correspondence there with the uh addiction people are addicted to government they don't they don't see it like even put that together but because their life's good enough so it helped they get through but they um they don't want to admit there's a big problem that goes along with it so yeah like um people that are in prison for many years um when they finally get out it's like they don't know what to do um they've been so used to living in that prison that that's the only thing that seems normal and anything outside of that can become scary and make you nervous and um there is a process to realizing um the true nature of the problem we're dealing with in the world the reason i have the end evil podcast uh, i remember specifically for me uh, i came across uh, the topic of weather engineering and chemtrails weather modification um there's geoengineeringwatch.org with uh dane wigington and i came across one of his uh presentations and um even though it struck me at first as a lot of people would like this seems kind of like a wild conspiracy theory right um that's what crossed my mind at that time but i was curious and um i've always been a curious guy and um partly what led me to um even being able to look at something like 911 was i was already curious about things like ufo's or strange happenings in the world you know mysteries right I loved mysteries and I liked trying to look into them. So as I started looking into the geoengineering and weather engineering um, topic, I found more. The more I looked, the more I found. And even in our own skies, the more I watched, I had more questions and more questions. And I began to take pictures and I began to talk with people about it. And like Jim was saying, there was a period of like, a full year um and then even a second year where i was going through this process of kind of like uh letting go of everything that i thought reality was and reaccepting it for what i see it now as as something that there is um a vast network of control that's beneath the layer the surface layer that most people see and it goes back well beyond one generation you know there's a many generational um continuity on this plan for very few individuals to have power over a lot of other individuals and there's a lot of aspects of um subject matter that you can look in that are that will that are indicative of this problem and that will highlight um you know little parts of this huge iceberg you know we only can see like an iceberg part of what's coming out of the water but that tells us the shape of the bigger problem and there are so Bruce, many you're talking about books like none dare call it a conspiracy something like that that's a great one to look into um you know another one um that i was going to bring up sort of different topic than chemtrails is um look up lloyd pie and um everything right. you know is wrong that was one that really shifted my thinking um on a whole nother topic but there's so many things like that you know so um, i'll pass it on what's up next um one thing that I wanted to bring up is, you know, people who buy into collective, uh, collectivist ideology are some of the biggest ones who are in hell denial. And, you know, they aren't concerned for the truth. They aren't really concerned about the objective reality. You know, so people who buy into like cult 
you know, cults or groupthink uh, aren't concerned or don't care for the truth, just as though somebody who is in denial will reject the truth because the individual, which the word individual is someone who is not divided. The prefix and is, is first, you know, etymological root means not. So the word individual means not divided, not inside divided. So people who, you know, who don't understand that word will misuse it. So one who is not divided because it is the individual who should be concerned with truth. It is the individual who has the capacity to think. It is the individual who has the capacity to emote. A group doesn't have you know, all of that. So why would a group be concerned with truth? Why would a, a cult be concerned with truth? Why would a collective be concerned with truth? Because they are in group think. So collectivists are some of the biggest ones who are in hell denial. And it doesn't matter what kind of collectivist mindset it is. They are the ones who are in the, the most deadliest form of hell denial. And we've seen that, you know, throughout history. All of the societies that were based on collectivism, denying objective morality, denying a natural law, and look what happened. Look what happened. Massive, massive forms of death. Because denial and collectivism go, denial and collectivism go hand in hand. Hand in hand. They're pretty much married. Denial, collectivism, and ignorance, as Rick said earlier. Yeah, like if you don't claim your freedom, someone else will. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you don't claim your rights, then in this world, other people will say they do on your rights. And if you don't, you know, make sure that you defend them, then you lose them in a way, even though that should not be. I have a question for everyone here is why is it that people are still in denial? Like, why is it? That's a good question. I was just, I was just thinking that, Brandon. I honestly got to sit there thinking, like, why are people in that state? And I think that's probably five shows we could do on that. Yeah. Because there's so many different reasons why people are in denial. What I'm thinking about, like, where I was just thinking was, you guys were talking about this. It's great that you brought it up. Is one aspect I look at it is like, what if, what if your life is based on a certain belief? Or your job is based on a certain, you know, doing a certain duty. And then when you find out the evidence that maybe what your belief is or your job is, is causing harm, you know, then you, you go into this state of denial that it's not because your whole livelihood could be based on this. And I think about that with like the damage that religions have done, organized religions and uh, this authority figures, you know, name them. I just, I just think that. You know, once your identity is kind of solidified like that, and that is who you are, and that's something you believe for so long, it you know it doesn't matter what kind of uh, evidence or pe what people can bring to you, or even if you type to see it, maybe even if you see it yourself that you're causing harm, you know that. But then you go into this state of denial because it's it, you're basically changing it. It's uh, it's questioning your whole uh, your whole being. I guess is a good word. Your whole belief system, if you guys know what I mean. I'm kind of all over there, but that's where I was thinking. Like kind of what I was thinking is that it's, you know, I can see how people go into this, fall into that state of denial, especially if it's going to change their life drastically. In a lot yeah, of we call that a paradigm shift or like yeah. having yeah. one's paradigm shattered rather. And a lot of people are scared to death about that, which is why yeah. there is that 
big thing in denial. And I was wondering if Jerry had any interesting thoughts about that or anything else. <laughs> Thanks for asking. So yeah, I know something that aligns with what you guys have been saying, which is uh, they think they're right. And they try to make you the crazy one, or at least they make me the crazy one. And they believe that. But I want to get into the causes. So addressing Brandon's question. So you mentioned it is a defense mechanism. So they want to minimize the pain. And that's why denial occurs. It's natural. And here's a quote by Mark Passio. Anyone who believes anyone who actually believes that the truth is capable of being suppressed and ultimately destroyed is living in a deep state of fear illusion and denial so what comes to mind is what you said brandon that denial and collectivism goes hand in hand uh back to you chris well i think uh, one thing we got going here in the modern day that is different than many other times in history is we have like all these different types of media. We have all these social media channels and there's just like um, a vast amount of bullshit out there. And I think that kind of puts many people in the state of, I just don't know what to believe anymore because like so many people will tell you, if you go on the internet, you can find anything. You can find someone that will argue that there's a such thing as rainbow unicorns. There probably is a website about that. And so some people kind of throw up their hands. They're just like, it's overwhelming. And I think overwhelming is the term that comes to my mind when um, Brandon's asking, why are people stuck in the state of denial? Um, like, as Jerry just said, I think it's natural to first have that denial. It's a natural part of uh, trauma, um, of grief, but when you stay in it and you can't get out of it, is um, you're just so overwhelmed by the topic or what it, it implies that you can't face it. Um, people that have been raped often cannot tell the story or they cannot point their finger on the person that did it because they're so traumatized and they're so afraid of what might happen to them or their family that they actually can't do it they can't say it they can't even look at it or they can't go back to the place where that thing happened because it brings up so much trauma that they can't even imagine facing that that amount of pain and frustration and for many folks the types of topics we're talking about are pushing them into those zones i mean i look at what i went through like i was talking about the more i studied um 9-11 the more deeper i got into looking into weather modification I mean, I couldn't find 100% answers, but I knew that there were a lot of things that were being said in the public that were total bullshit, and I could I could break them apart myself, you know, with things that are very common sense and logical, um, and explain them to someone else. And as you guys are pointing out, often the answer I get from people is not, oh, I disagree with you, and here's why. It's like, I'm going to change the subject. I'm going to go right back into my state of denial, because if I did, follow the chain of what you're saying and think about it, it would force me to risk um, my state of being. I might have to spend the next year looking at the sky myself and thinking about it. I might have to spend a bunch of time and energy 
reinventing what I thought reality was. And that's a big job. And I think subconsciously, um, even if someone hasn't like uh, thought that out, that their 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 um, physical being itself senses what that would imply, and it starts to block them off, almost like the body will do in extreme state of trauma, like I'm saying, or a bomb blew up, and you're laying there in pieces. Your brain will try to make you feel better. It'll bring up imaginary things. You might have dreams. You know, it'll try to protect you from extreme trauma. And um, a lot lot of times that's where people get multiple personalities and this type of thing because they're traumatized so severely that their natural being self, ego, cannot identify with the situation because it's too extreme and it's too overwhelming. And they cannot, it's like uh, being close to fire. It's too hot. They can't take it. And so I think it's understandable for a lot of people because the trauma is extreme. And when we start looking into these things, you know, the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up is about human trafficking and sex trafficking. And when you think a little bit about this topic, even if there was one child in your town or city that this was happening to, everybody should care and make sure it stops. But this is so prevalent that it's actually more than one in four um, females that get um, sexually abused as children or in some time in their early life. And it's probably a bigger number than that. And that just goes to show just how prevalent and how evil our society is that that can be going on. And people don't see that as um, a big enough deal to change things and look deeper into why is this happening and, um, you know, stop everything until we deal with that. You know what I mean? But um, it's still going on on a mass scale. And um, if people haven't seen that movie Sound of Freedom yet. I highly recommend to check it out because people need to understand the depth and, and the width of this problem. We might be in a worse time of slavery than humanity has ever been in. It's just more hidden behind the scenes and um, kind of shrouded and, and people aren't seeing it because we're stuck on these screens, because we're going to work, because we're in traffic and we're not being exposed to it. And so it's happening in places we don't see it. And if we keep our eyes closed, we feel okay. We don't want to feel uncomfortable and depressed and sad. So depressing as that is, that's the point I wanted to make. And um, anybody else want to jump off of that? Yeah, uh, because Jerry had uh, said that, um, you know, the people who are in the now think that they are, um, I guess, subduing other pain. It's only short term. In the long term, you're actually creating more pain for yourself. You create psychological pain, emotional pain, mental pain, and spiritual pain. And Chris, you nailed it on the head, you know, with the why, because uh, some of the things that I came up with, uh, people are just weak, sadly. Uh, people are mentally weak. People are spiritually weak. And I think that's one of the factors on why they want to stay in the now. Two, Trauma, you know, of course, we have mind control. And then, like Chris said, attachment. People subconsciously recognize in today's world the effects and consequences that come along with truth. You know, they subconsciously know it. So it may not be a conscious knowing, but they subconsciously know it, you know. So they understand that if they was to shatter their reality, 
and come to this realization that they would be the ones ostracized, that they would be the ones who could possibly, you know, lose their job or, you know, whatever, because they posted something on Facebook. They are the ones who could be canceled because we've seen this happen too many times. So, you know, subconsciously they are aware of it. And because so many people have lost touch with the spiritual side of man, they think that it's just physical. So they don't want to lose their material possessions, you know, they don't want to lose that, you know, have that nice job or whatnot. So they have become attached to things. They have this egoic attachment to things or to their position, their job, their status. So therefore, they would rather choose to keep the blinders on than face the truth and reality. Boom. Yeah. Great point. And, uh, Chris, I wanted to respond to what you were saying about the whole trauma thing. Brandon, I, I feel you too on what you said for sure. Not like I'm, we're a fucking yes man or whatever the hell, right? <laughs> but uh, as far as like trauma, and like so many of us, you know, grew up in, you know, the public school system, you're growing up with a bunch of people, you know, your peers, whatever, and like there's so many ways that we get belittled when we're little. And uh, like when you're, especially in the classroom or whatever, recess, and you're like doing something wrong, like you're going to be laughed at at all the angles, right? So like that creates a lot of trauma for people. And like no one wants to be like wrong about anything. So like, yeah, the e- uh, Brandon, what you're saying about the ego attachment, like people are going to have certain ego attachments to whatever fucking degree throughout their life as far as like what they learned in, in, and how they learned it and blah, 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 and what they filtered out and in and all around. So I find that interesting on the psychological level. There's so much more to, you know, break down with that in and of itself, you know, what Chris touched on as far as, you know, like, how much of that trauma is really lingering within the individual as they grow up as an adult. And there's like all these other forms of information that are like contradicting what they previously learned, whether it be their belief system, religion, you know, nine 11 or like <laughs> not to dwell on that. It seems like a ancient fucking relic. You know, it's like, it's, it's kind of laughable to me. Like people saying or questioning and like in a jokey manner, like, Oh, you think 9 11 is an inside job? Like, like, who? Where have you been for the past fucking two decades? I don't know. Like, sometimes, like, but whatever. Like, so, yeah. Uh, I'm going to pass it off to Jim. What's cracking? I haven't heard you in a minute. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of trauma to be revealed in healed within pretty much every individual because as we said in previous podcasts you know at the moment of birth there's like that traumatic experience of the, like the suffering like you know you know Chris you had some live shows on that recently which is great and evil podcast that's what's up so yeah I was trying to pass it to Jim what's good man I'm not trying to thanks Derek yeah for sure yeah, I guess I'll just like triple down on the whole addiction thing. And like Jerry was saying, people want to minimize the pain. You know, that's why people drink. And Brandon's saying how uh, 
you know, you minimize the pain, but it, it keeps compounding the more you drink and it affects your family and the cause and effect of that. And it's the same thing. Like people just don't want to admit that there's a problem. It's so hard to admit, admit it. And that's, that's why it's easier just to be in denial that and just get your fix. Right. Um, just another thing that I had written down here was, um, I had watched that movie recently, the um, Lark and Rose, the Jones Plantation, and Mr. Smith. One of the biggest points uh, that came up was Mr. Smith said, you know, the greatest trick is to, to get people to believe that people like me ne can never actually exist. And, like, and or do these kind of things, like 9-11, like inside job. Like, people just can't even believe that there's people like that exist, could do that. And so, like, that's that's a huge part of denial because people just can't believe it. But that's how powerful that the conspirators are. So, can pass it on. Yeah, this um, topic, you know, today's just the beginning. As far as I'm concerned, we're we're opening up this can of worms. And I want to mix it around some more um, on future weeks and open up this roundtable discussion to other folks that might want to pop in, too. Um, there's so many examples of conspiracy um, things that people want to either throw out the baby with the bathwater or deny completely um, or not hear the rest of it, you know. And um, we're living in a time that the, the things are really adding up. And I think even people that are in denial are starting to recognize that, well, something's going to happen, you know, it's probably not going to be good. Right. But um, anybody have any closing thoughts before we um, finish up today? Um, yeah. Um, I know that there are a lot of people out there who know what's going on. Or, you know, maybe knowledgeable on a particular subject. Um, our whole message is to, you know, try to inspire people to get activated and to get involved. So um, if you are one of those people, you can reach out to me or, or, you know, reach out to, you know, have one of us. And we can, you know, possibly help you and inspire you because I recently put out two videos trying to show people, you know, like, hey, here are beginner videos to try to, you know, to try to at least, you know, jump into how content creation, because it doesn't matter if we continue to put out videos or watch videos. If not, if not enough of us are teachers and activated and willing to jump into this fight, we all fucking lose. We all fucking lose. So. The whole message is to try to inspire others to get off your fucking lazy ass. Like, we can use some fucking help, you know? We can use a lot more teachers about a natural law, a lot more teachers about health consciousness, about a lot more teachers explaining to other people on how the state is fucking immoral because it's based on violence, coercion, and theft. Like, I don't do this stuff just for people to sit back, you know, and just watch the shit and, you know, and, you know, jump into the comments or like into the chat, I do it to inspire others to get off your fucking lazy ass. And that's what I want to see more of, you know, not, I don't want to see more views. I want to see more people getting involved. And that's my 
closing message. Get motherfucking involved. Stop being a fucking coward. Yeah, strong message for a strong good reason because there is damn good reason. And I agree with Jim that this is very much like an addiction problem. Uh, humans are addicted to feeling good and feeling comfortable and they don't want to do this hard work, you know, and, and really the first step, everybody's like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The first step is to fucking be aware of the problem. Like, you know, Brandon saying, if, if you are aware of the problem, then helping other people become aware of the problem is the thing to do. You know, we, we, we don't need to go out there with machine guns and hunt, hunt down George Soros or whatever, or, or the new world order. That's not what we're telling you to do. And we don't think that's the solution. What we're telling you to do and what we think the solution is, is to admit that we have a problem, right? And if you recognize that problem and you're willing to admit that problem, then the next thing is to try to help other people see it. Um, anybody else want to add to that? I got no, but I just had some closing thoughts. No, Jerry, go for it, man. I'll go after. Well, all right. Well, I'll just close with, yeah, first of all, Brandon, I, that's a quote right there. And Jim, hats off to you for bringing out that quote from that movie, uh, The Jones Plantation. So, yeah, um, just wanted to end it on how uh, feelings aren't meant to be suppressed. Like, we have to use our anger as fuel to uh, take action and put out more media on uh, truth, natural law, objective morality, chemtrails, 9-11, like, the whole nine yards. And... Yeah, while we're on the like topic of denial, I definitely have an example. I uh, definitely was in denial. Like I am in denial today. Like not gonna lie. And uh, I said I was gonna fast. I ended up eating. That's uncomfortable, but it starts with telling the truth. And I I just wanted to say that for the past couple weeks, like. I've been drinking and smoking weed and I was sober for about eight months and uh, I, I was in denial, said, you know what, I can do this and be fine. Uh, I used to go to AA and uh, it's just, you know, I was inspired by watching Will Keller on the roundtable discussion, just how he was able to just present and uh, I hope I... Uh, bring value to you and inspire you to take action. Thanks, Jerry. Fuck yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so going right back to, I wanted to finish up on the whole psychology thing because, you know, shadow work is something that's almost like a fucking buzzword. But, like, to get into the nitty-gritty things, people need to really check themselves and, like, introspect on, you know, these triggers, like, why are they denying certain things? Like, why, you know, ask the question, like, and, like, do some self-reflection on, like, you know, is there some cognitive dissonance going on? That's a key word in this whole discussion that was not mentioned before, I believe. 
I just wanted to throw that out there. But also, you know, you know, all that aside, you know, do your fucking shadow work, inner work, all that good shit. Uh, wow, conspiracy, like, the word, like, big fucking deal, right? You know, like, people want to throw in, like, theory all the time. But what is science all about? You know, scientists are theorizing on all types of things all the fucking time. But, you know, that aside, again, it's like, uh, we're not looking to, like, see about, you know, who's conspiring about what the fuck. We're just looking to get down to the truth, the God-loving truth, the goddamn truth, whatever you want to call it, right? And that's what really matters, and that's what's in our hearts, that's what we care about. And I think that is the generative, you know, aspect or principle of what should be the fire lit within the hearts of people to, you know, seek that within themselves and the reality that we live in so we can live in a better world and a better life, better relationships with people, the micro to the macrocosm, a lot of correspondence, all that shit. Yeah, it's, um, um, thanks, Derek. Tim or Rick, did you guys have any last words? Well, I, w- I was going to mention shadow work, but Derek got to it before me and said it perfect. And so I, I will just say I agree with what Derek was saying. And it'll, it'll tie, kind of tie into what Jim said earlier, too, is that stop, you know, maybe people should do the shadow work and stop living in denial and be willing to really examine themselves and what they believe. I think that's so important. I think that's the foundation. I really do. I think the inner work is where it all starts. If you can't, like Jim was saying, if you're living in denial and you can't even be honest with yourself, I don't know how you're going to ever be able to put that outwardly. So I think a lot of people do live in denial and you have to be willing to do the work on yourself. And maybe if your life is in chaos and things are going wrong, maybe be, you have to maybe admit to yourself that maybe you're part of the problem of what's going on in your life and all of what's going wrong. And maybe what you're doing in your life as a job or your belief system, maybe that's causing harm. Maybe that, you know, maybe you're part of the problem and you have to stop living in that denial and really examine that. So, I mean, you, everybody else said it perfectly. I think that's so important. And I do agree with what Brandon said. We need more people you know, doing the work and, and, and getting out there and putting the information out there. So I think it was, a, I think this could be discussed for another episode, to be honest, or a couple episodes, because there's so many things going on that are causing what we're talking about with denial and conspiracy and that. So you guys said it perfectly. That's what I was going to end with. Thanks, Rick. Um, yeah, I just have, I have the 12 steps of AA in front of me, and I never really was a, like, big steps guy and I kind of dodged that because that that shit's tough but um the first step of course is we admitted we were powerless right or we could say we can admit that we're slaves or that our lives are unmanageable with with the government but that's right there and then the next two steps get into like God and there's a lot of people in denial of God and Chris that's like I mean, there's so much more you can go with this subject, so that's that's another aspect of it we can go into further. But I just wanted to mention the fourth step, which is a big deal. Made a searching and a fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 
So after you're admitting that you have a problem and in accepting, you know, that there's a higher power that can help you, and that then, you know, that's like, now you're starting to get into the shadow work, like uh, Derek and Rick are talking about. You may, you're doing that moral um, inventory. So, yeah, I just thought it was cool. Like, there's, there's definitely a correlation there with uh, addiction and denial, obviously. So, um, but yeah, thank you guys. And the last thing I'll say is, if anyone hasn't checked out that movie, it's really cool to get people to think. If, if you have people who are in denial and you want to get a little help, uh, uh, get them to watch the movie The Jones Plantation. Get them to think about this stuff. What's a good metaphor for what's really going on? Yeah, that's um, jonesplantationfilm.com is where you can go. And uh, I watched that movie. I loved it. We're going to do another little local showing here on Friday if all goes as planned and um i recommend everybody see that film discuss it uh jim went as far as you know like discussing it with some younger people which i think is fantastic and, and seeing if they understand you know because it's a metaphor for um the way we're living so that's one thing i wanted to shout out um on that other topic that i was bringing up of um sex slavery and and trafficking i want people to go to see um rick's radio show um, that's on Revolution Radio. He's on Studio A. Um, Rick, how does someone find a particular, your older episodes? Because that was Monday when I listened to that episode you had with the gal who um, had been a victim and she'd been groomed into a lifestyle of um, being trafficked for sex and um, didn't deserve that. And the people around her didn't protect her. Her parents, her community all turned a blind eye and denied it was happening, even though it was pretty obvious. And uh, um, the last she's telling that story and wrote a book about it, the victims, I mean, the um, evil ones who did the deeds are still at large. And um, so, Rick, where do people find that? Yeah, just go to revolution.radio. And what you do is go to the top of the page. There's an archive section. So you just click on that. It will give you the password and what you need to log in. Very simple. It takes two seconds, and you can save it so you don't have to keep entering it in every time you go to the archive. And that was the latest episode that I just did this Monday. It was, was, was with Rachel Timothy, and she uh, has a book also you can find on Amazon called Open, Open Blind Eyes, and you can still get it. So I would, I would really recommend that you grab that book of hers and check out the interview I did with her. It's a powerful one. And one that I think people need to hear. So, yeah, just head over to revolution.radio to the archive section. And my name is Crypt. My show is Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking. And you'll find, yeah, and you can find him on uh, YouTube as well. And yeah, then um, I also want to send people to check out uh, Brandon Spencer's recent work, some tutorials on how to do this work, um, OBS. Brandon, that's on your Odyssey channel. Yes. And if you can't watch it, then update your hardware. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but if you can't watch a video in X265, then get rid of your ancient hardware, your dinosaur hardware. Like, it's 2023, folks. I'm sorry, like, it's Hey, this is modern awesome. literacy, is yeah. learning how to, you know, <laughs> watch a video or right, share right. a video. Yep. You know, if you don't know how, ask for help. Like Brandon said, there's people out, out here like him that will happily help you, you know. And then we got C5 coming up. That's the next thing I was going to bring up. Um, September 24th and 25th, go to seedtruth.com. 
and you can learn some more. Get on the mailing list. They got a mailing list now to keep you updated or check them out on Facebook. Um, got Brandon Martin, Nate Cap, Douglas Martin, and um, Brandon Spencer is going to be presenting. It's going to be a fabulous um, weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. So um, that's all I think everything I could think of to advertise except for, you know, check out my show and evil podcast Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. And um, that's it. I think everybody good. Yeah. Wonderful Great show. show. Good conversation. And we're going to keep this ball rolling. And um, feel the inspiration, feel the burn, get to work, folks. We need your help. Yeah, peace out, much love, yeah. Ultimately, it's up to you.